that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Please be seated. Let's pray one more time, uh, just in case you're a guest and visiting with us. We believe in the Holy Spirit around here, and we ask the Holy Spirit's help uh, as as we receive the word. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time of preaching. We pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would help us as we interact with your Bible. Please give us uh, wisdom. uh, Remind us of of things we need uh, to hear. uh, Show us new things, perhaps. uh, Give us encouragement and hope. And give us conviction if that's needed and where that's needed. We thank you for your being with us as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I was telling the guys about this yesterday, but recently Rich went out to California to uh, spend time with his friend who's um, battling some severe illness and possibly on, on his deathbed, or not, not the deathbed yet, but he's, he's struggling. And Rich went out to be an encouragement and to remind him of the Lord's help and, and just to be a good friend. I said, now what part of California... Um, There's places in California I would have loved to have seen about 50 years ago, but maybe not so much today. But he said Bakersfield. So he was in Bakersfield, California. And I, having a musical mind, I just said, oh, Bakersfield. Tell me what great country musician was from Bakersfield. And right away you said Buck Owens or something like that, I think. Maybe not, but uh, I, I said Buck Owens, Dwight Yoakam. Uh, and it made me think of this radio station uh, of old country music. And, and uh, it's on uh, the Sirius XM channel, Dwight Yoakam's Bakersfield Beat. It's old country music, and it's great. And I've tuned that in for a few days, and uh, it was everything it was supposed to be, except they kept running these ads. And so they'd say, this is Dwight Yoakam's Bakersfield Beat where you find everything from, and I don't know who, some country singer, Loretta Lynn, let's say, to Lucinda Williams, and everything in between and beyond. Then about a half hour later, they'd say, Dwight Yoakam's Bakersfield Beat, where you can listen to everything from the Flying Burrito Brothers to the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and everything in between and beyond. And I'm like, I like the everything in between, the parameters, but what does this mean and beyond? 
Uh, they're trying to center on music from a region of the country. But beyond, uh, somebody who wrote that put that in there. Does this mean that I'm going to tune it in one day and hear Beethoven's Ninth Symphony? Does this mean I'm going to hear Boy George the next day because that's in the beyond category? It's good to know what are the boundaries from here to here and here to here. Now, in music, hey, the radio station's great, and they don't play, they play, play what they say they play, so I recommend it to you if, you if you need your Buck Owens fix. But I'm thinking about Christians today and churches today and the whole idea of Christianity. And it used to be you could walk into a church and know pretty much what you were going to hear from the pulpit. It's pretty much somebody says, I'm a Christian. You kind of have a general belief system that you know. Uh, But today's Christianity is like this. From Genesis to Revelation and everything in between and beyond. Uh, From the fall of Adam and Eve to the cross of Christ, to the second coming, and everything in between and beyond. And it seems like more and more we are focused, even though we call it Christianity, it's the beyond that matters. It's the social issues out there. It's catching the latest trend. It's whatever is, is, is hip and happening. And I'm saying, in your life as a Christian, and in my life as a Christian, if I'm calling myself a Christian... I better just stick to Genesis to Revelation and everything in between and not try and dabble in all this outside stuff. Christianity is about what? Or should I say about whom? The person and work of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Where did he come from? Why did he come? What did he come to earth to do? Is he powerful enough to have done what he said he was coming to do. Jesus Christ is central. You take Jesus Christ away, and what do you have? A bunch of people bragging about how good they think they are and trying to be better than each other and virtue signaling and temporary fixes. I was telling the men's group yesterday, uh, we, I think it was yesterday, and if it wasn't, it was... Sometime this week, I was having a conversation, but I think it was yesterday, uh, this wonderful young lady came in, and she came in to talk to me, and she was all excited. She'd graduated from college. I loved her dad. Her dad is in heaven right now. Her dad was a testimony of Christian faith. You guys know him if I said his name, and I'll tell you, but she came in, his daughter, and, and she loves the Lord too, but she was excited to be part of a Christian ministry. Um, that was really doing a whole lot for social justice. And she kept saying, we need justice, and we need justice, justice, justice. And I said, well, I'm with you, but let's define our words justice. If we all got justice, we'd be in trouble. So while you're looking for social justice, you better be all about showing people where they can find mercy. Mercy from the Lord, mercy at the cross, because everybody gets just uh, justice or mercy. And in the end, when it all boils down on the last day, do you want justice for yourself and your sins in your life, or, or would you prefer mercy? 
Let's talk about mercy. Let's keep Christianity to mercy, to Jesus and what Jesus did for us. So, um, what better place to find out about Jesus than right here in his word? And what better person to hear who is Jesus than from Jesus? Now, we can write our autobiographies, and you don't want to... When I was a kid, when I was Caleb's age, reading all about baseball biographies, and I read a biography about Leo DeRocher, and if my parents knew, they just thought that's a very safe biography. It's about a baseball player. Well, I shouldn't have read that book as a young guy, because Leo DeRocher was not that great of a guy, but I just heard and his telling of the story. But they said, basically, it was just a bunch of lies and braggadocio anyway. Um, there was a United States senator, and they brought his diary in as a witness in some hearing, and they found out that the man even lied to his diary. Uh, this was in the 70s or 80s. Uh, some man, remember that? from out in the, He had not a diary, but a liary. And so when somebody wants to tell you all about themselves, well, maybe they're telling the truth, maybe they're putting a spin on it, but when Jesus says, I want to tell you about myself. When Jesus said, here is who I am, you want to know who Jesus is. And you can trust it when you see it in the pages of Scripture. And Jesus, in this passage, begins to teach us about himself. Uh, the Gospel of John is like this. We're going to hear a lot of Jesus explaining himself. And it's good for us in our Christian walk to do this. So Jesus tells us about himself, and there's four things this morning, four points about Jesus telling us about himself. One, Jesus is equal with God. That will be in verses 17 through 19. Two, Jesus is the life giver. That will be in verses 20 and 21. Three, Jesus is honorable. And, and I promise... Without even knowing, okay, I got a couple of soccer fans here that, that tease me whenever they see me in Manchester United loses. And uh, I would have put a soccer illustration in it, I know you were, but I did. So you make it to point three, you get to hear about Harry Kane and soccer. Jesus is honorable, verses 22 and 23. And finally, Jesus is the judge, verses 24 through 29. So first of all, Jesus is equal with God. Jesus said to them, My father's working till now, and I'm working. Verse 18, They were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. He was making himself equal with God. They understood him. They were right. Jesus is doing that. If Jesus was not equal with God, and he was making himself equal with God, that would have been a sin. If I make myself equal with God and try and put myself in, or if you make yourself equal with God, you try and make yourself equal with the Holy Spirit in somebody's life, and, and you try and take spiritual control, that's a sin because you're not God. You're not equal with God. You're not God. But when Jesus said, I am making myself equal with God, it's right because Jesus is equal with God. It says uh, in verse 19, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. He's not a freelancer. Father and the Holy Spirit didn't send Jesus down here to earth and say, okay, we trust you. You've been trained. We'll follow your lead. You take the lead. You do what you want to do. Uh, Jesus came with a script. He came to die on the cross and bear the sins of his people. He didn't veer from that script. The cross was not an accident. The cross was a goal. The cross is where his life was leading. Back when my son was younger and uh, uh, played a bunch of video games, which he's now he's older and probably still plays a bunch of video games, but when he was younger and I was with him in the store, and, and I, I was trying to you know, make sure the video games that he wanted to buy or the, the thing with his gift certificate you know, was, was okay. And there was one, it was a history-based thing, but the clerk at the store said, and this game's really good because you can hit a button and change the program. And George Washington goes rogue. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess George Washington's running around and going rogue, and they have to, and it's a, a variation of history. Well, can I tell you something? Jesus never goes rogue. Jesus, Father, Son, Spirit, have a purpose in your salvation, and they stay on script. And, and, and Jesus didn't go rogue like George Washington did in that game. He says in verse 19, nothing of his own accord, only what he sees his father doing. Some of us are old enough to remember a TV commercial. Uh, They were trying to get you to not smoke cigarettes. And and back when I was a kid, um, they said my brother looked, my brother Chris looked like the kid in that commercial. Like father, like son. Do you remember that, anybody? Maybe not. Okay. Mora does. All right, good. <laughs> like father, like son. So, so it's, it's really, it really happened, right? Because you and I both remember it. But they would show a father fishing and the son fishing, the father going here and the son looking at his father and doing, and it kept saying, like father, like son, like father, like son. And then it showed the father putting a cigarette in his mouth and the kid playing with the wrapper, and it said, like father, like son. Um, well, Don't know how effective that commercial was, but I know this. You can take that phrase and you can say, when it comes to God the Father and God the Son, like Father, like Son. Same substance as the Father. We we confess this in our creed. Uh, What Jesus will say later on, and we'll get to this in our text, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's God like? What What is God think about people. Does God have compassion for people? Well, that's pretty simple. The answer is yes, because Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, you see him and you see what he did, you say, that's God. Okay? Here's a good quote. This is, this is now, now we're warmed up. Listen to this. I'll go slow as I can. Calvin. He said, there, he said let us therefore keep Christ before our eyes. Keep Christ before our eyes as he was sent into the world by the Father to be a redeemer. The Jews saw in him nothing higher than human nature. 
And he's talking about, again, the Jewish religious leaders. Those religious leaders saw in him nothing higher than human nature. And therefore, Jesus argues that when he cured the diseased man, he did it not by human power, but by a divine power which was concealed under his visible flesh. The state of the case is this. As they, confining their attention to the appearance of the flesh, despised Christ, he bids them rise higher and look at God. Uh, They saw a man. Well, he was a man. He was the divine man. But they didn't see that he was also fully God. And they saw him then as a threat and a rival, and they despised him, even though he was doing great things. Calvin goes on to say, the whole discourse must be referred to this contrast, that they err egregiously who think that they have to do with a mortal man when they accuse Christ of works which are truly divine. This is his reason for affirming so strongly that in his work there is no difference between him and his father. What did Calvin just say? See Jesus for who he is. God. This is God. God the Son. God in the flesh. Don't look at Jesus as just another man who was a great example for us. Did some good things, and boy, they put him on the cross because they didn't like him. No, you see him as God. You've got to see Jesus. Nobody has ever existed like Jesus. Fully man, fully God. Only one. That's Jesus himself. And that's our first point. Jesus is equal with God. Jesus goes on to explain who he is, though. He tells us more about himself. And he calls himself the life giver. That's in verses 20 and 21. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. He is the life giver. If God's the one who gives life, then Jesus is the one who gives life. Jesus gives life. Listen to this. Uh, First of all, understand he's loved by the Father. Matthew 3.17 at the baptism. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Father loves the Son. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is divine love existing throughout eternity. Every now and then, I read a teaching or come across a teaching and they say, well, God was lonely. You know, God was lonely all by himself in this big universe, so he made man to help with his loneliness. That's not why he created human beings. Because Father, Son, Holy Spirit, from eternity, there was a relationship, a loving relationship, uh, perfectly complete. A God needed nothing Uh, to complete God. He loves the Son. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. Almost chose this for our Old Testament reading today, but uh, it says this. In the Old Testament, 
God is talking about Jesus back then. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Uh, You guys, I'm looking at you. And if I had a mirror, I'd be looking at me. (laughs) We are bruised reeds. We aren't strong. We're not as strong as we think we are. We are fragile. We are faintly burning wicks. We're a candle that's not, uh, not burning bright like it should. And what does God say about this son that he loves? He says he's not going to say, ah, she's, she's not as strong as she needs to be. Break her off. Throw, let's, get, let's get a good one. Oh, he's not burning as bright as he should be. Let's just squelch him out and let's get one in here that works. It says that's not the way Jesus treats us weak people. That's good. That's good. It's okay to say I'm weak. Um, In fact, it's wrong if you say anything other than that. We are weak. We are in need of a Savior. And this was Jesus' mission from the beginning. So Jesus says, I'm the life giver. So what do you think? Look at this verse, and you, you, you start to think, don't tell me, but, but if we were having a conversation, I would say, tell me, what do you make of this phrase where Jesus says, he will do greater works than these. Greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. So the father loves the son, shows him all that he's doing. He's going to show him greater things so that we may be excited about what about what Jesus is doing. What are some works? Well, Jesus came, he raised the dead. That's a pretty good work. If somebody in here could convince me that they could raise Jesus from the dead, or or somebody from the dead, I'd say, wow, I wouldn't believe you, actually. It would take a lot. If you could clearly do that, I would be amazed Somebody one time, I read she was a, like one of these TV evangelists, and she said she believed in God because he raised her chicken from the dead. Well, even that would be a pretty good work, but that's kind of crazy. But think of what it takes to raise a human being from the dead. Think about what happens to raise yourself from the dead. Think of what it happens to raise somebody not just from physical death, but from spiritual death and giving them life. And it's greater and greater and greater. And your salvation, my salvation, when God saved you, that's even more astounding and a miracle. That's a greater thing, although we don't think of it that way. That's greater than if he had just raised you from the dead and brought you back from from the dead. He brought you from spiritual death to spiritual life greater things, and we need to be amazed uh, as we stop and think about that. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, you were dead in trespasses and sins. You were by nature children of wrath. You were born with it. You were born with it. Like the rest of mankind, 
But God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. We're going to get into this in depth. Uh, This is kind of why Christ the shepherd was named Christ the shepherd was John chapter 10. But in John chapter 10, and what we always said at the start was our theme verse, John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So two things about Jesus so far. First, he is equal with God. And second, Jesus is the one who gives life. And when we talk about life, we're talking about spiritual life. So those two things. Now the third point. Jesus is honorable. Jesus is honorable. For the Father judges no one, it says in verse 22, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. We honored Jesus this morning already in our songs. We sang, Fairest Lord Jesus, and we sang all these honoring things about Jesus. Christian Community Church will come in here, and their music will sound a little different than ours, but I guarantee there'll be some honoring of Jesus. Danbury Chinese Alliance will come in. They'll sing in the Mandarin language, some and some in English. I know that church. They are going to honor Jesus. And I can guarantee, because I've been to Calvary Chapel at night, when you get up here and sing, uh, some of you who are on the worship team, there'll be some songs that honor Jesus. Jesus is worthy of honor. He's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of that during the week when it's just you and your Bible, or you laying there at night and can't go back to sleep, and you start to pray and think and honor him. And he is honored by his people coming together and saying, praise Jesus. Jesus is honored. He says, if you don't honor me, if you don't honor me, you don't honor God the Father. You can't say, I honor God the Father, I'm just not a Christian because uh, I don't honor Jesus. No, you can't be honoring to God if you don't honor Jesus. One way, one way to honor the Father, to honor the Son, because they're equal. What do we say to a judge? Show of hands, has anybody ever been in court and had to face a judge? Don't show your hands. Um, But if you ever go to court, I went to traffic court one time, and uh, you know what we called the judge? We called him, your honor. He was the judge, and we said, yes, your honor, no, your honor. And if you didn't address the judge as your honor, uh, the bailiff would growl at you, and you'd get corrected pretty quick. Yes, your honor. He needs to be honored. But what does this word honor mean? 
here comes, here comes the, the soccer uh, stuff. Uh, it's like a valuation. There are ways, this Greek word, what is the Greek word? It is tomosi, and it can mean to honor. It can also be translated to set a price on. So one way it's used and translated as honor is in Matthew 15, 4, where Jesus said, For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother surely must die. My dad, would, my dad, if he was here and we were little kids, would want me to read that again. <laughs> and so I will. Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother surely must die. Wow. Another way, though, to translate that word honor is to evaluate or put a price on. And this is translated in Matthew 27, 9 as this. And this is, involves Judas and the 30 pieces of silver. It says, Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him, on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and then they went and purchased the potter's field. So setting a price on, setting a valuation on. And this is like, okay, so a lot of us are baseball fans, and it's trade deadline, you make the trade. Soccer is a little different. Soccer, a team says, I want this player, um, like Manchester United right now needs a striker. We've got a good goalie. We, we've shored up our defense, but we need a, a guy to come in there in the middle and, and be a striker. And we are shopping for one. Now, a player on a team can go there to Manchester United, but he's already under contract to a team, and that contract sets the valuation, sets the price for if Manchester United wants this striker, they have to pay X amount of dollars. Here's a real paragraph. Um, let's see. Harry Kane. Harry Kane, Tottenham. we got a Tottenham fan back here. Um, you're going to lose your striker. Uh, but Kane's future remains up in the air. Bayern Munich have been heavily linked with the move for the Spurs striker and have already had two bids rejected by Daniel Levy who values Kane, this is where we're going to understand the word, who values Kane at 100 million pounds, which is $128 million. A third bid is reported to be imminent. They put a value on their player. To get that player, you have to pay. And my question is this. Jesus is honorable. And my question for you is, what value do you place on Jesus? What value? Where's your value? Uh, five million pounds? hundred million? Five hundred million? How do you value Jesus? What price do you affix to Jesus? What value is Christ in your life? Well, I grew up with this stuff. I prayed my prayer. I got saved when I was young. Sang a few songs about Jesus. I like Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is better than this or that. Uh, I don't think I'm valuing Jesus the value that is assigned to him. And the question is, what price? At what price do you value Jesus? What price would you sell Jesus for? 
Somebody wants Jesus and there's only one. Thank God there's not. But what price would you sell Jesus for? Hey, you're a Christian. Can I buy your salvation from you? Five million, ten million, hundred million? Well, think about Jesus and think about eternity. And I think there is no value. He is the highest, most honored. Remember, before you declare what you think Jesus is worth, remember that he is equal with God. Remember that he gives life. And remember that he's the judge. And remember, if you're a Christian, he died on the cross in your place and experienced eternity in hell so you didn't have to. So you could have his righteousness. And I would say our valuation of Jesus Christ, um, we would use the word invaluable. So think of Jesus as the judge. The honorable one, the judge. Verses, uh, this is our final point. Verses 24 through 29. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Whoever hears my word, believes him who sent me, eternal life. Does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And you can look at some of the rest of the verses, and we'll get into them in a little bit here. But understand, first of all, you do not come into judgment if you honor the Son with the valuation that he deserves. If you say he's the pearl beyond price, you'll sell everything by that pearl. If you say he's the treasure in the field, you'll sell everything and you'll buy that treasure because you know that even if you have nothing else, you need Jesus. Jesus. And you don't come into judgment if you honor the Son in that way. You have eternal life. So my question is, we talk about eternal life. When does eternal life begin for the Christian? When does eternal life begin for the Christian? Let's say I walk outside and remember Skylab? Who are, more of you remember Skylab? Does anybody else remember Skylab? What if I walk out and Skylab falls on me? And you're coming back here in about four or five days uh, for my funeral. And the pastor gets up and says, well, don't cry for Dave, Pastor Dave. Uh, as soon as that Skylab hit him, he had eternal life. And I would sit up in my coffin. I'd say, that's not true. Then I'd lay back down. Because I received eternal life when I repented of my sins and my sinfulness and I put my faith in Jesus. You receive eternal life. And that's why Jesus said, the Father will work and is now working because people are passing from eternal death to eternal life all the time. Now, something will change uh, when I die, but my eternal life won't change. I, I had it when, when God saved me. Look, as he's talking about Jesus as the judge, the one who's in charge of eternal life and eternal judgment. Verse 26 says this, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. John 1.4 that we read a few 
a couple of months ago when we started this. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. God always was. God had life in himself. Jesus is equal with God. He had life in himself, and he granted Jesus to be the giver of eternal life. You cannot have eternal life without Jesus. But all these people are so good to each other, and we've spoiled their culture by going in there and messing them up and telling them about Jesus and heaven and hell, and they were just fine without hearing about Jesus. No, they weren't. How will they hear without a preacher? And it's Jesus. This was foretold in Daniel chapter 7. I'll read two verses in the Old Testament. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Daniel said this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, Jesus' name for himself. There came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed people from all languages. There are people, uh, their first language in here, the language they learned, and they had to learn English, German, Mandarin, Portuguese, Paula's mom, Spanish, English. People of all languages have been drawn to Christ and saved by him. But there's one Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the study Bibles, I think it was the ESV study Bible I looked at in their notes, referred to Jesus as this, and I think this might be a good definition for Jesus, at least in this context. It just basically said, Jesus is the eternal world ruler. We would agree with that. Jesus, the eternal world ruler. He is equal with God. He's the giver of life. He is honorable. You can't put a value, a price tag on him. I'm not selling Jesus. No way. Jesus is, 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 is not going to do that. And he is the judge. He is the judge. Those last two verses in the text, which will be our conclusion, um, they're the ones that have given me the most trouble in my life. There are times I've read these verses. I'll tell you the context. I've read these two verses and I go, does the Bible really say that? It really does. And I'm not going to question them, but I'm going to explain them. Okay? So let's look at that as, our, as, as we move to our conclusion. Uh, Jesus is talking all these things about this, and he says, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Well, I can agree with that. Everybody at the end in the tombs are going to hear his voice. Uh, you don't just die and stay dead. Uh, there's a time uh, you hear his voice and they come out. So I'm fine with that verse. It's the last verse that's the problem. They'll hear his voice and they'll come out. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, in our, in our, uh, our little playbook, our little guidebook for our denomination, and they, you look at that, you say, I have to, I, I, I'm called on to preach this funeral for these people. Um, I want to make sure I do things right. What, what's the PCA say? What are some verses that they have you read? These are verses that you read. Now, for Christians, we can get around this. But put yourself in the shoes of a non-Christian, just a regular person. Maybe you, you know, grow up in a quote-unquote Christian culture and all that, but as a non-believer, and how does this verse hit you, this last verse? Um, uh, those, they will all come out, and those who've done good will come out of the tomb to the resurrection of life, and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I think, are you with me? I think that the average person hears that and all of a sudden they start thinking, be good, you go to heaven, be bad, you go to hell. That's, if you take that verse out of its context, uh, maybe a lot of us actually lived that way. And we thought, if I'm pretty good, I'll go to heaven. Go to church a few times, take some communion, um, Go to church every week. Take communion every week. Uh, if I do all that stuff, then I'm good, and I'll come out of the tomb to the resurrection of life because I've done good. Uh, the Bible, if the Bible is saying that in this verse, that this is the only place in the Bible where it says that. Can't be saying that. What's the Bible say? Well, the Bible says this. Here's a quick way to explain this. Uh, the Bible says There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible's true, and this verse means if you've done righteousness, you go to heaven. That means no one goes to heaven. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What's he saying? What's he saying? Well, what he's saying, first of all, is the world is not all there is. There is a coming forth from the tomb. Uh, do you remember this one? This is oldies day in the, in the pulpit. Uh, there used to be bumper stickers that I would read that would say, he who dies with the most toys wins. Remember that? He who dies with the most toys wins. And then I saw one that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And I like that one a little better. Um, there's a thought and, and, and a, a thought going around the world and uh, it's stated more graphically, but life is hard, and then you die. But the fact of the matter is, life is hard, and then you die, and you either go to be with the Lord in heaven, or you die, and you go to hell, and you wish you could come back to this life that you thought was so hard, that wasn't so hard after all. What about this work salvation? Okay, so the teaching from Scripture is this. You cannot do a good work unless you're a Christian. A a truly untainted good work. You can do what we call good works. You can even give some things to charity and God can use you to do. But I had an argument with with three girls. Two of them were sisters in Milton, Florida one time when I was a youth pastor. 
we were reading through, before they went to school, we were reading through J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness, and J.C. Ryle talked about you can't do something that's not tainted with sin, even your good works. Uh, sometimes maybe you could come close and then you, you let it slip and you brag about it, and then all of a sudden there it went. You have your reward here on earth. Um, but if you want to do a truly good work, you do that as a redeemed person that God has saved. And those are the ones who do the good works. Uh, God has let you do good works. Uh, first comes salvation, then comes good works. I'll, I'll, I'll prove it with these two verses, and then we'll move on. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Uh, grace comes, salvation comes, and then it says, after you're saved, then it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he ordained beforehand that we should follow them. And so this verse is just one more way of saying, you're a Christian, you go to heaven. You're not, you're the resurrection of judgment. You say, well, that doesn't say hell there. Uh, well, yeah, it does. Resurrection of judgment, we're judged and we get our justice, it's hell. And Jesus did talk about hell more than anybody else. That's what he's saying. So, good advice as we close. Listen to Jesus when he tells you about himself, who he is, the eternal ruler, God himself, the giver of life. Recognize your dire condition and do something about it. He hadn't done anything about it except listen to it and kind of understand it. Uh, you're in danger. You better do something about it. Repent of your sins and rest in Jesus alone for your salvation. And if you're a Christian, man, I got the good news. We get to end with the good stuff. If you're a Christian, the end for you is you go to heaven and you think it's fun down here when your team wins or you get the pay raise or or even if you balance the budget for five months in a row and you're on track, whatever it is you think is good, whatever your definition of joy and good is, it is a hundred billion, trillion times better in heaven. And uh, we're going to leave it to our, our friend uh, C.S. Lewis to, to describe this. At the very end of these books called the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan appears to Peter, Edmund, and Lucy. He tells them, you've just been killed in a train accident, a railroad accident. Their physical bodies are dead. But here's what's described about what happens to you after you die. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's heaven. And I'm ready for chapter one. 
don't cry for me. As somebody put it, it won't break my heart to say goodbye. Uh, Heaven is where we're going. Hey, got to live here for a while. Enjoy it. Do what God's called you to do here. Uh, Try to be godly in in the way you live. Uh, Commune with God. But boy, your life begins if you're a Christian. When somebody says, no pulse, no brainwave. Hey, praise God, Christian. That means chapter one is just starting. And I would say, and you will say, along with the writer of Scripture, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving your word. Thank you for everything about Jesus that that we know, that we are learning, that you've chosen to tell us. And we thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have salvation. And what we have waiting for us is even better than the best of our great days that we get to have down here. Thank you for that. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. In his name we pray. Amen.